Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Hope Life Podcast, a podcast that allows you to hear the hearts of Hope Church pastors and leaders through real conversations about life, ministry, vision, and goals, or some of the exciting ways that God is working through their specific ministry or congregation. This is a great resource for our church family, and we're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to today's episode. Hopefully, we will all leave today's conversation more inspired to passionately follow Jesus and make him visible as together we live the hope life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hope Life podcast. I am your host, David, and I'm so excited to be with you guys again this week. Now, this week, we are joined by a very special guest, uh, my good friend, Clay. Clay, uh, say hi to everybody. How's it going? It's great to be back, David. You did you did tell him it was special, and then you said it was Clay Maynard. So you you really disappointed him there. <laughs> well, I guess everybody is um, familiar with you since we had our interview <laughs> regarding your trip to Israel. So that's I guess maybe people know what they have in store, but maybe not. Maybe we'll surprise him tonight with something interesting and fun. <laughs> what do you think? Hey, I hope so. I doubt I'm that interesting, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> no, no. You're, you're lots of interesting, so much so that uh, I was uh, very excited that you agreed to be on the podcast this week. So um, now we, it's been a while since we had done one of our interviews. And so just to maybe recap our uh, listeners, so all our Hope folks, um, you know, we going through some of our Hope Church pastors and just asking them, you know, how did you get involved with ministry and how did you get involved with the Hope Church family? Um, before we uh, get into that. I just got to ask, how was your Easter, man? I mean, did you guys have a, a a good resurrection Sunday? And, you know, how was it with uh, people there in Greensboro and just, you know, with time with family? How how was it? Uh, it was great. We had, um, we had our biggest day yet in Greensboro um, since, since I've gotten here and around the first of the year. Um, it was a really good turnout and, and we, we launched some new stuff that's sort of brand new and Easter was a really good stress test for some of these new things we've been trying to do. Just, um, you know, they're probably pretty normal, uh, for churches, but for us, you know, re sort of reinventing or, or I should say reimagining certain ministries and doing a better job. We're just, you know, how does you just try to serve people? Well, you want people to feel comfortable and, and welcomed in that warm environment. You want to serve them well and design your ministries to meet needs and uh, introduce people to the power of God's word and the gospel. And so it was a really cool experience in that regard. Like it gave us a lot to move forward with like, Hey, how did we do this? Was, this was great. And so uh, on all counts, Easter was, was awesome. I mean, it's the greatest Christian holiday there is. So it's it's really, I can't remember the last time I didn't have a great Easter just because I love everything about it. Uh, So it was just amazing worshiping, the Lord. I feel I always feel like there's a buzz in the air on Easter. People just come ready to sing. They come ready to sing out. They come ready to worship. And so there's always just that buzz because people are, they know we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus got out of the grave. And like, there's just nothing better to talk about than that. Yeah. I mean, there's something to celebrate and, and that always does bring an excitement about. So I'm glad to hear mm-hmm. that. Well, um, before we kind of maybe get jump back up to speed to the present, uh, I kind of wanted to, now in the last interview, we talked about your trip to Israel, but we didn't really get to like talk to you as far as like learn more about you. And that's kind of what we want to do today. And so, um, tell me a little bit about maybe how you, uh, grew up and, and, you know, what eventually led you into, uh, into ministry into, 
you know, doing the crazy thing that is planning a church and pastoring a church? Oh man, it feels like a whirlwind. The The story starts uh, in Panama City, Florida, a little coastal city on the panhandle of Florida, uh, on the beautiful Gulf Coast. Um, I was born and raised there. I lived there my entire life until the end of last year, till the end of 2022. Um, never had lived anywhere else. Um, my background, my I was raised in a, in a preacher's home uh, for the last... Uh, seven or eight years of that, he was even a pastor and he had been involved in ministry. My dad was involved in ministry in multiple different phases. I mean, he, he started a children's home when I was a very young child. So most of my childhood memories are couched in uh, memories uh, of, of being around boys that were in that children's home. And uh, so very engaged in church. We did a lot of traveling. So even though I, I grew up in Florida, I, I, I traveled all over the country for probably 10 years. My dad was fundraising for that children's home uh, at churches around the country. So I, I don't, I don't know exactly how many States I've been in, but it's over 40 of the United States. Hey, that's um, pretty cool. A lot of people don't make it past maybe, you know, three or four. So that's really cool that you've yeah. been to quite a few. Yeah. I didn't realize how cool it was when I was a kid, you know, you, I was like eight or nine for a lot of the memories. And so I'm standing at the Grand Canyon or at Yellowstone or at Niagara Falls or, you know, all these major events that, oh, all these major places that people want to go see. And, um, I had, I got to see so many of them, um, that people have to make special trips to see them. And I didn't, as much as I loved it then, I didn't fully grasp how cool it was until I got older. And then like now I'm in adult life and I don't get to just go to those places. <laughs> and yeah, now right. it's like, man, I'd really love for my kids to be able to see it, but realizing how expensive it is. And um, and so it just looking back, there was so many cool things about growing up in that ministry. And the one thing it gave me was um, it was a very strong, uh, there was a very strong emphasis growing up put on ministry. It was it was something that um, we were taught to feel that, that it was something that, that we were honored, let's put it that way, that it was a privilege to serve God and it was not a it was not a burden it was not a obstacle it was a blessing it was something we we should be grateful for and right. um, I always grew up with that mentality and that's never really left me it was that it was that if if I could be involved in ministry in some way that that was a good thing that was something I should value and and put a high priority on and that stayed with me my my entire life you know it, there was a lot of sacrifices that my folks made and. Um, and but as I got older, just I, I I kept that with me. You know, I always wanted to be involved, even when I left their home and I went and had to get a job, and it, that was very new. It was like my dad was able to be at home with us, you know, so it was very new to me to to be away from my family and all that. Mm -hmm. Even then, though, I would I would always, no matter what church I was in or or what context I was in, I always was was trying to get involved. I I just wanted to be. It's all I knew was to be was to be neck deep in church ministry. So even if it was a volunteer basis, I wanted to help. I wanted to serve. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to plug a hole that needed to be plugged everywhere I was. That's that, that was what I was in my heart. And so um, it started, I would say with, with ministry roles when I was, a, well, I, I became a church pianist at 12. Um, I, I had been playing piano for five or six years at that point. I really wasn't ready to be a church pianist, but, <laughs> but uh, what happens, and you know how church ministry goes, you you start off um, being asked to fill in. Oh, yeah. And 
And then all of a sudden, like 10 years later, you're still filling in and you don't know yeah, what happened. Yeah, that's right. But, um, but what happened, I was, we, were at, we were at a church and their piano player left. And it was, it was, it was a weird Sunday because we, nobody knew she left. It was uh, daylight savings time. So everybody was like, oh man, they forgot to set their alarm or oh. set their clock board or something. <laughs> nope. They never, she never showed. <laughs> so um, I just played for her um, in the gap. I, I only knew a few songs. So we talked about it and we went forward. Well, I was the church pianist from that point forward because the, something was going on in that lady's life. I don't remember the story, but she never came back. Um, so that was my first sort of foray as a kid into here you have an actual ministry duty, a, a ministry responsibility that that truly does minister to other people and that people rely on you for. Um, and as I got older, that evolved into, as I was an older teen, it evolved into children's ministry. It evolved into opportunities to teach ki- children's classes. Um, I loved God's word from a young age and found that I was gifted to, to speak. I wasn't scared to speak in front of people and, and present. And so I combined with my desire to learn God's word it kind of really blossomed into a lot of opportunities for me. Um, and so that, that's sort of how my ministry life started um, was just growing up in a local church where in a family that really valued ministry, which of course, I guess if you're a pastor's kid, you don't really, you don't really have the option of expressing that you're not all about ministry <laughs> when you're a kid um, because it's everything, you know, you know, it's your whole life. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how it started. I, I would say that I things started to change for me when I became an adult and it got more difficult because like I said, you have to go get your own job and you have to start right. – life gets a lot busier. But I still had that desire. And I, to be honest with you, David, there was a period when I was in, a young adult where I got a little disenfranchised with ministry. Um, not because I didn't think it was valuable or needed, but because I, I, I didn't trust myself in ministry I as I got – older, I started to see some of the, um, some of the more dangerous, um, yeah. sides of ministry, you know, I, no, I know, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. And you, and you start to maybe see kind of like the flaws in yourself and how easily that can snowball and really damage other people. And, and so that almost kind of like makes you want to be a little bit more, ha- I don't know if that's where you're going with that, but like for me, yeah. I, 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 re- I feel that all the time. Like I know myself and you know, what a, what a sinner I am. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know if I should be entrusted with, you know, um, taking care of the saints and, and, you know, being an overseer for them. And it's just like, and, 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 and just how messy things can get. And, and, yeah. and, and sometimes you're, you're the mess. Sometimes you're the one that adds to that mess and, and it can be a very scary thing and almost easier just to kind of be like, eh, maybe I shouldn't be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and I did have that feeling. I, you know, when you, when you get older, I think when you're a kid, if you grow up in ministry, your parents often try to hide the uglier side of things of, of human nature and of the kind of sin issues you're dealing with. Your parents kind of try to hide that from you as much as they can, because they don't want you to be burdened with it. But once you get to a certain age, they can't really hide it from you anymore. And you start to really um, encounter and experience the harder side of ministry. I, I told somebody recently, you know, if you're not in ministry, you are still as a Christian responsible for for fighting sin in your life right but when you get into ministry you take on the burden of trying to help other people fight their sin and that's when it gets really messy because it it first it's really hard to help people fight sin 
but it also reveals new brokenness in you that you need to tangle with. And that's what you were speaking to. Like you, you start to discover things about yourself that, and, and, and when you're in a ministry position, there's that fear that, that your brokenness could hurt somebody else. Um, I'm not who I need to be yet to lead anyone else in, in this way. And so, uh, and I actually even saw examples of that, you know, I don't want to, not to get too into the weeds, but I saw examples of, of how people in ministry being broken really hurt other people. Yeah. They were not either, they either were emotionally unhealthy or spiritually unhealthy for a time and they didn't see it. Um, but the one thing I will say is it, 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 it sent me forward with a very healthy respect and reverence for what it means to be in ministry. It, it sent me forward realizing, Hey, if I'm ever going to be in ministry, I need strong accountability. I need serious friends who are, who will challenge me. Um, and I need to always hold ministry with, with an open hand. Like it doesn't belong to me. You know, it's a sacred trust, something that I have to hold with, with real sincerity and reverence. Like, Hey, mm -hmm. Paul tells Timothy at one point, he says, like, watch your manner of life. Like really be careful, really watch, really, really. Uh, he tells him to walk circumspectly, right? Be aware. Um, right. Because, um, I do believe when you go into, a, to, to put it one way, when, when you're in ministry, your job is to go into the sort of the devil's backyard and rescue people that, that he's ensnared. Um, you know, the devil has spiritual power. He's not happy about that. And um, he has a lot of, of, of influence still in this world. And he's going to like evil forces are going to be after you when you undertake something like that. And so you do put um, – if you're going to try to really be effective in ministry, you do put a target on your back in a spiritual sense. Um, and so just once I discovered that, it, it kind of led me to want to take a little bit of a, of a backseat in ministry. Not that I didn't desire it. Uh, there was just a fear there. And, and so I, um, I, I would still help in ministry, but – I'd, I'd really begun to believe that I didn't want to be involved in, in leadership, you know, like just let me stack some chairs or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but as time went on, I, I couldn't ignore that desire. I believe God put it there. It was my, it was my heart's desire. It was, um, it was something I really couldn't do anything about. And I believe that's calling. I believe when you experience that, um, there's a combination of, of what you desire that God's given you your gifting that God has given you and the, the other people speaking into your life about it as well. You'll, you'll notice when you're called, other people notice you're called, you know, they'll, they'll tell you like, Hey man, God's going to do great things with you. Like you, you have a gift to share with others. And, and so that's a little, <laughs> that's a little scary, but, um, but nonetheless, that was happening. You know, I had, I still had that desire. I still had that gifting. And then I had other people speaking into me in that way. And over time, I, God really did grow me up. I think um, my the last position I had before I before I came here was um, I I was into a I was a worship pastor and I when mm -hmm. I started with that church I had come out of a pretty broken time in my own life. Um, without going into too much detail, I I came out of a a very uh, hyper sort of fundamentalistic background. Which if you don't know what that word means, it just means like super strict religiously. Like it, there there was a high emphasis on performance in Christianity. Like, Hey, you needed to, to be all you could be for Jesus essentially, you know, and right. it was, it was really performance based. And so I had to spend some time sort of rooting that out of my own heart because, uh, and, and truthfully, I still sometimes struggle with that. I'm, I can be a workaholic when it comes to ministry because I feel like it's all on me. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and there are some church cultures, unfortunately, that, that when they're not careful, they get really wrapped up in that mentality, like, hey, really put it on people that the ministry is on them and the church is on them and like, really go get it. And, and they fail to start to, to really rest in the fact that it's Jesus's church. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that, and that we're accepted by grace, not in our performance. But so, um, so you were the, so you were doing, um, you were a worship pastor there in Florida for a while. And, mm-hmm. um, if you, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, you know, is that what you, you know, did you, I mean, think back maybe a year, a year ago or so, um, I mean, is that where you saw yourself being for a while? Because I know you were also, I mean, you were bivocational, right? I mean, you were a worship pastor, but you were also working a secular job. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 you know, spoiler alert, but you're not doing that anymore. And so <laughs> what did that conversation look like um, with you and, you know, maybe your wife and your family? And, um, you know, because maybe did you think this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? Or I had a desire to, you know, maybe you had a desire to, church plant or, you know, pastor a church somewhere? What was, what was going on there? Well, if it's okay, I'll, I'll back up a little further than that. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So I, I didn't start at the last church I was at as the worship pastor. I started just, um, leading a small group and I did help in the music. At some point their music minister left and there was a vacuum there and I didn't, I didn't take the lead role right away, but I was sort of serving in that lead role, even though it wasn't a title. So I would lead worship on Sundays, even though that wasn't my necessarily my job. They just said, Hey, if you'd like to do it, please do it. So I did. And I, and it, it blossomed. They ended up bringing me on staff as the worship pastor, uh, part-time and you're right. I did work a secular job, but it was sort of one of those moments where you just, you know, that sort of happened naturally. I didn't really, I can't say that I aspired to be the worship pastor there. It just sort of that that vacuum was there. I filled it, and then over time, I was sort of doing the job anyway. I think I was two years into essentially being the worship pastor without the title before they were like, "Hey, we just need to make this official. You're the worship pastor here. You're you've been doing the job for two years. We want you to continue doing it. Um, so we're going to officially put you know make you a staff member." And and so uh, that was exciting for me. I was happy at that moment to be in it. You know, it's funny as I told you, I wasn't sure I ever wanted to be a, a leadership role. I, I loved that role because it gave me a place to exercise some of my gifts and yet I didn't have to be responsible for any of the final decisions. So, <laughs> so anything anybody didn't like, I'd just be like, Oh, you know, this is pastor Tyler's vision. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask the pastor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm just trying to execute his vision. So, uh, we, we had a lot of good laughs about that, but, um, but I did sense the di- the difference between some of the things I'd experienced and, and this, that was fun for me. So to your question, did I always see myself kind of going that route? No. At some point, there was a real shift in me and a real desire to be in full-time ministry again. Um, And I, to be clear, I was never actually in full-time ministry. I just grew up in full-time ministry, but, but I had started to see a healthier way to do it. I was, I was, I got at that point had surrounded me with, with friends in ministry who I saw a much healthier attitude and mentality about ministry. Um, my wife is, is a key part of this too, because she grew up similarly, similarly to I, to me. And she did not believe that she was ever, she didn't think she was cut out to be the wife of a pastor, but it's part, partly because the, the culture we grew up in really put this onus on the pastor's wife to be this sort of, almost this sort of political figure in the church. Like she had to be the, the leader of women and she had to organize all these ministries and things like that. 
And, you know, I've since come to believe that's not something you should put on the pastor's wife unless that's something she's gifted and wants to do. Um, but, you know, that was the that was the the image she had of it. One of the friends that God gave me was actually Brian Edwards. Um, he introduced him to me. Uh, we, we got introduced in 20, I guess, 2020, early 2020. Um, I ended up meeting him in person out in Vegas at a at a conference we were at together. It's actually where I met you, David. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> I first had, I met you and Sam at that same conference. Um, in Vegas, and baby. So, yeah, that's right. And and Brian, it's the first time I met him. I talked to him already by then, but it's the first time I met him. And, you know, he really started speaking um, encouraging things to me. You know, he said, he started saying things like, hey, man, I really see God's gift in you. And I really see God doing great things with you and, and lean into your gifting. Like, um you know, it reminds me of the way Paul spoke to Timothy. You know, he was saying, don't ignore the gift that's in you. He tells Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth. Be an example um, of believers. And I really feel like Brian was one of the first um, guys in, in, in an older generation, you know, a generation up for me to really speak that way to me. To really, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I had unfortunately been around some guys who were older than me, but it was more like, hey, sit down and shut up kind of thing. Um. And he wasn't doing that. He was saying, no, there's, there's, God's going to put you somewhere and, and use you. And, uh, that was just, that was just life giving to me. Right. And so, uh, I got to know him better and he, it was, it was through the Hope Church. It's, I, I became friends with him and then I became friends with a few of the other Hope Church pastors. Um, guys like Nathan Cravat, guys like Jason Riddle. Yeah. Um, and those guys also began to, to, um, I saw, I saw in their, in the Hope Church philosophy of ministry, something that I believed in. Um, you know, I was part of a good local church. Um, and so I have nothing bad to say about it. It was, it was a great place for me to be. And God grew mm-hmm. me so much. I, I, I will always love that, that church and the people that I served with because God, God did so much in my heart through that. I mean, he gave me a group of people that just truly loved me and allowed me to serve and supported me and, um, and showed me what a healthier way to do church is than yeah. some of the things I had seen. But but the Hope Church specifically, like when I started seeing the values of Hope Church, you know, when I when you look at the DNA of Hope Church, which Hope Church values, I really saw in it something that I believed in. Like it, it was like, hey, there's a lot of things I felt that they're putting words to about church planting and about um, uh, the focus on Jesus and and you know putting God's word over any traditions of men and. And, you know, one of the primary things that really spoke to me was one of one of Hope Church's uh, key DNA elements is, is this idea that we roll stones out of the way to help people experience the power of Christ. I just love that. It's like, hey, we're gospel focused. And if there's anything we're doing that's stopping souls from reaching, from, from experiencing the power of, guys, of Christ, we're going to burn it to the ground because nothing matters but people experiencing the power of Christ. And so... I just, I love that. And, and so as time went on, um, I just had an affinity for Hope Church, even before I was here. I, I loved what they were about. I, I found real friendship with some of the people who are in the Hope Church community, including you. You got here, you know, however long ago now. And I, I was excited to hear that you were here. I was like, man, that's awesome that David is up there in Danville. And yeah. Um, but then Brian called me up last year and said, you know, hey, Clay, we've, We've been uh, we've been given this opportunity to adopt a, a a congregation in Greensboro and replant as a Hope Church, 
And uh, to be honest with you, I, I didn't think I'd be interested. I, you know, I, I actually, um, Brian had sort of poked me before about, Hey, would you be interested in planning a church? You know, we were big on church planning. We'd love to have you work with us. And I had sort of told him no a few times, like, Hey, not right now, please let me know in the future. Cause I think maybe God will do something with me like that in the future. But I just wasn't ready. And my wife wasn't ready. We weren't there. And but last year, for some reason, I got off the phone with, with him that time. And it was just different. And I have no rationale for that other than God had done something in us and prepared us for that moment. Um, it was so weird, like almost immediately within a week, we had never been to the church location. We hadn't talked to any of the people. And my wife and I are praying about it. And we're like, are we going to move to Greensboro? Like it, it felt that imminent, like immediately. And so I've just, I'd never yeah. experienced anything quite like that. Um, but everything since then has just confirmed it. And so we, we came to Greensboro, the core group there, just the sweetest, friendliest group of people. And a Greensboro, so much opportunity there. I mean, David, the triad of Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and High Point, there's 400,000 people that are completely unchurched. Yeah. Uh, so the, the need is great. And we fell in love immediately with the city of Greensboro. Um, and so they became a Hope Church shortly after that, near the end of last year. And we moved. I mean, within three or four months, it all happened. And January 1, <laughs> we were in Greensboro. It's just like such a, like, it, it really did seem, because, you know, I was following along being here in Danville and just like everything did mm -hmm. seem to be so fast because we had just seen you just a few months before. And the next thing I know, I was like, hey, Clay's moving to Greensboro. Like, man, that's super exciting. How 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 cool is that? Now, David, there's a, there's a great, there's I'll just tell this quick story because this is a great example of how God was moving. Right. So the conference, there was a conference held at Hope Church last year uh, for the sake of the gospel conference. That was in November, I think the first few days of November of 2022. We had planned, we had decided we wanted to go to that, my wife and I, and it was right around near our, our anniversary. So we were like, Hey, let's add a few days to it and make it like an anniversary trip. Let's like, let's get the, let's get to Virginia like four days before and just enjoy the area. Let's find something to get into. And then we'll go to the conference at the end of our trip. And so we, that was planned like in May or June of 2022. When the church location in Greensboro was, was in the middle of voting to replant as Hope Church. They let me know that they would make the decision that they would vote on it on October 31st. On October, I didn't, when I made the trip, when I planned the trip to come to the conference, Greensboro was not even on my radar. Well, they voted on October 31st to become, to replant as Hope Church. And on November the 2nd, I flew into, Green, into Greensboro with four days to kill before a conference. It's so funny. <laughs> and so it was just wild. Like where God was just, you know, directing our steps. And because uh, here they vote on it and it's like, hey, we want to move to Greensboro. And now we're, we're, there's already a flight into the city to scope out the area, look for places to live. It was just great. It was, it was amazing how God was working. Yeah, man, that's so cool. And just like, again, just time and time again, God proves to be 30 steps ahead of us when we think we yes. know what the next plan is and, and he just is always working something really awesome in the background. And, um, and so tell me a little bit, just like some things that you, some, some wins, something to celebrate, uh, you know, since you've been there in Greensboro and things that have been going on, maybe some people that you've met and like just, uh, things that God has been doing since you've been there. David, I, there is so much to tell, but I'll, I'll give you the highlights. Um, 
we got there on January 1 and, you know, we kind of took a full inventory of where, where the, the location is. Of course, we're replanting as Hope Church. So it takes some some uh, doing to start talking through what that looks like in our context. Like, hey, we're going to be a Hope Church now. We're replanting here. What does that look like to be a Hope Church? And so we've been in that process, um, you know, bringing on the members there as covenant partners of Hope Church. Um, and then we immediately started looking at the building, like, hey, what can we do to improve and 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 reorganize the building and the physical location to to minister to people well, because the building does need some serious renovations. Um, we've begun that process already, and there's some really cool developments on that. So there's, uh, we did a full stage redesign. We opened up our welcome center and now have a great area for guests when they first come in to get coffee and get information about the church. And um, we've uh, launched several new ministries. They didn't have kids ministry when they didn't have any kids there at the time. Um, on Easter Sunday, we had 14 kids um, in our Hope Kids ministry. Even the week before that, it was close to 10 um, on a non on a non major Christian holiday. I guess I guess it was Palm Sunday, but you know that's not nearly as popular as Easter. But right, right. Um, but we've had consistent uh, guests as well. Like one of the things that has blown my mind is the people that have that God has sent our way. Um, within the first few months, we sort of came. Uh, they had the the core group there. Um, but what we were really hoping for was first to really connect with that core group and then for to, to, to start building a core team of people to lead various ministries in the church. Um, since we've been there, that core group there has just been awesome. They have supported us. They've been so excited about Hope Church. They want to reach Greensboro with the gospel. And so that group there has been has been awesome. But in addition to that, we have added um, we have added three um, covenant partner families to our church. Um, one of them is a um, uh, actually was in Danville for a while and moved to Greensboro. Um, so they're actually already trained in children's ministry. And so they showed up and were like, hey, we would love to help with children's ministry. So we have a we have a children's ministry leader, yeah, uh, amazing. husband and wife. Um, we have had two other families join. We have two other families that are in the process of joining. Uh, on Easter, we had four visiting families. Um, multiple of those families wanted to follow up with conversations with me to talk about Hope Church's vision and what we're doing for the future. So it's just been, uh, it's been incredible. The, the first Sunday I was there, including my family, we had 25, which I'm not whining about that. I told somebody recently, I was like, I know how hard church planning is. 25 people's awesome. <laughs> so when you're planning a church, that's awesome. Absolutely. But, but we had 58 on Easter. So like, that's more than doubled in the, in just a few months we've been here. Um, and we had some people out. I mean, it could have easily been 60 or 70 on Easter if there hadn't been sickness in our church. So I, I say all that to say God gets all the glory. It's just been amazing. Uh, you know, somebody at the church just recently was like, man, we're we're so proud of your leadership. And I'm like, I didn't know any of these people. They're not here because of me. You yeah, know? yeah like, exactly. They, God has really sent them um, because I didn't know them before I got to, to Greensboro. And um, I really believe it's God blessing the fact that Greensboro is a group of like the Hope Church Greensboro is a group of people who are more committed to reaching Greensboro with the gospel than anything else. You know, we mm -hmm. every church has to make this decision like, hey, are we more committed to to preserving the past or keeping this place as a museum to what was or or are we more committed to people meeting Jesus here today? Exactly. And that group of people, I mean, they've just been like, you know what? If we have to choose between those two, it's an easy choice, and that is, we want meet people to meet your meet people to meet Jesus here today. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it has just been uh, an incredible thing, and I really believe God's blessing that spirit 
uh, in our, in our, in our location. And so I'm just excited about what God's going to do. You know, I, I, we're still on such an early, early stretch of this thing, but, um, but God has been so good so far. Yeah, man. I, it, again, it's like, it's so exciting to see just talking like the different hope church pastors. And, you know, for those who were established a while back, like, you know, uh, plants like Halifax and others, and then mm-hmm. ones that are brand new, you know, like you and Nathan, and just to see everything that God is doing is just incredible. And and I think, you know, it reminds us again of how how exciting it is to prove God and to put faith in God and, um, you know, to say to God, like, hey, you know what? Um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you do. And that's, and, and that's good enough for me. And I think, you know, I was talking to somebody about anxiety and, and, and maybe this is a podcast episode we should cover at some point in the future. Um, and that would be helpful to, to our Hope Church family. But, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of anxiety does come from just our lack of our fear of losing control. And I think the Christian life teaches us um, that, that control over our circumstances, and our environment is, is secondary to, you know, acknowledging that, that God is, is ultimately in control over all of these things. And, and if we can rest in that, um, then there's a great adventure that awaits for us. And we, you know, if we're um, tuning into what the Holy Spirit has for us, um, what we picture for ourselves pales in comparison to what God has planned for us. And you know what, some things are meant to be long-term and some things are meant to only be for a season. And so, um, you know, we hope and pray that um, whatever is going on in Greensboro, that this is a, a, a long-term thing and that God continues to bless it, use you and Lydia and your family to uh, be a blessing there. And, and of course, um, to, to continue to launch out into this uh, area that, like you said, I mean, 400,000 people who are unchurched is certainly uh, a great need. And uh, mm-hmm. what I would like to do is hopefully once I'm done interviewing all these, I'll tell you what, these, these Hope Church pastors, it's like herding cats, man. It's like trying to get them all on this, you know, with their schedule. It's, it's tough. And so as soon as I'm done getting through the series with all of you guys, um, what I would like to do is maybe somebody who is a key leader or somebody who invests right alongside and is like, a, you know, someone that you rely on or that, you know, you love there in your location to bring them on the podcast and just ask them, you know, what being part of Hope Church means to them and being part of the Hope Church family and, you know, what they're excited about and how they serve and um, just to let them kind of take the wheel for a little bit and uh, kind of give their their side. Because, you know, as the pastor, you're kind of wearing all kinds of different hats and all kinds of different things. And yeah. you might see things from a different perspective and, and they might yeah. provide another perspective that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That would be awesome to have somebody from our location on here. You know, what you said is so true about control. You know, this, we get, um, you know, moving from Panama City, Florida after my entire life there, that was one of the scariest things I've ever done, you know, mm-hmm. I, and especially coming out of a really good church and really feeling that connection and that camaraderie and that, and that, that fitting in. Um, and there was, there's no guarantees, you know, there's so much of the path when you make a move like this is just so dark. Like you don't, you don't see I, we can't answer every question before you pull the trigger. You just have to go out in faith that God's going to do something great. I, I heard somebody say, uh, I believe it was, um, I want to say it was uh, C.S. Lewis or somebody like that. Um, but he said, you know, God is doing probably 50 things at any one moment in our lives. And we're probably aware of two or three of them. And so like, yeah, just kind of letting go of that illusion of control and just saying, you know, like the, the song Waymaker says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Just saying, I'm going to release this to God. And 
and yes, the adventure of your life is waiting outside your door when you do that. Um, so uh, yeah. I'm just excited to be along for the ride. Well, Clay, I, we're excited right along with you. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and uh, close in a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask you if, uh, if you don't mind praying over um, praying over your location and, of course, praying over um, some of the different locations and just, you know, Hope Church as, as, as a whole for a Hope Church family. And just uh, pray that um, we continue to move forward and follow God's leading. Absolutely. Father, we are so grateful that we have the privilege of being uh, in your family, that you are, we are your children, that we have access to the King of Kings um, by right of inheritance, that we can speak to you at any time, and that, Lord, that you've put us into communities of believers where we can grow, uh, where we can see the glory of Jesus through your church. We can see the working of your spirit, and, and in being part of that great adventure, we can become more like Jesus. And Lord, we pray that, uh, as David mentioned, that you would keep your hand on every single one of our locations. We are a family of churches. I, I, so, I'm so grateful that what you've started in Hope Church that you're going to finish. And as, he, as David mentioned, uh, that there's so many great things happening around Hope Church. Thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, in Greensboro, uh, among those pe- among our our group there, and Lord, your church is, is in Greensboro is is mighty because they are allied with you, and you, I believe you're going to do great things uh, as we go forward. And we're just grateful to be uh, on the team. I'm grateful to be up for that. My story gets to be part of your great story that you're writing, and I pray for all the Hope Church locations that that they would be reaching people with the love of God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that the power of uh, our resurrected Lord that we just celebrated on Easter Sunday, that that would be a reality that's felt in every single location on Sunday mornings, but beyond Sunday mornings, in living rooms on a Tuesday evening, and and at, at ball games on Thursdays and Fridays, that people would experience your power, that they'd see the realness of who God is, that they'd experience the love of Jesus because of your church, that we'd make a difference in the lives uh, of souls everywhere Hope Church is located. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, anyone in these, uh, in, in whatever location they are that's listening to this to this episode of uh, the Hope Life podcast, that, that you would give them uh, places to serve, whether it's on a ministry team at their church, loving in that way, or or just being engaged deeply in a small group, or or bringing somebody to the faith in Christ by being a, a real, um, vivid example of what someone who follows Jesus should be. That they could bring their friends, their family, their coworkers, their the people they interact with in their community to a saving knowledge in Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. We pray that you would go with us in your power and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Clay, thank you so much. I forgot to mention that at the time of this recording, April the 11th, it's Tuesday. It is uh, Brian Edwards' birthday. So, Yes, it is. Happy birthday, Brian. And Love you, Brian. You're another year older, and I appreciate your uh, <laughs> aging and uh, your, your aging wisdom and your uh, sage advice. Thank you for all of it. Hey, I, you know, I, the Hope Church probably, the Hope Church family probably already knows this, but if they don't, um, he has been a real 
um, mentor to so many young guys. I know that his impact is probably greatest felt there at Hope Church in Danville, but um, his, his, his influence and love for Jesus has, has impacted a lot of people, and I'm, I'm happy to be one of them. He's a spiritual father to me. Love you, Brian. Love you, Brian. Appreciate you all you do. And uh, when you listen to this, I don't know how old you are, but maybe we'll bring you back on the podcast just so you can give us your age and you'll hop back off. So that'd be great. <laughs> all right, Clay. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you. Have a good night. Thanks, David. Take Ho- care, buddy. Hope Church family, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and look forward to worshiping this coming Lord's Day.